This is going out. This bit isn't going out. No, this bit will certainly be edited. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Lecture in Progress. I'm your host, Will Hudson. Lecture in Progress is an educational resource to help the next generation of creatives make better career decisions by inspiring and informing them of the breadth of opportunities that exist in the creative industry. We've launched the first version of the website alongside a Kickstarter campaign to get the project off the ground. There are some great rewards. Please do check them out at lectureinprogress.com. This podcast series includes a number of conversations with creatives about how they got to where they are and how they've come to do what they do, from graphic designers and illustrators to photographers and filmmakers. This podcast series includes a number of conversations with creatives about how they got to where they are and how they've come to do what they do. My guest in this episode is animator Tom Judd, and I started as always by asking them to describe what it is that they do. Right, so um, I'm co-founder of Animade, the forward-thinking animation company based in London. Um, and I, as well, my job involves essentially running the business with my co-founder, James Chambers, and day-to-day creative direction over animation and um, all the output that comes through the studio. And kind of looking at the, the clients, um, Facebook, IBM, Airbnb, they're quite they're recognizable very recognizable brands is that a kind of purposeful is that where you kind of where you want to be making work is that just how it's how it's happened um i mean thankfully it's it's kind of how it's happened really i think we all the work that we've done over the last five years since we started has has been uh with a a view of doing stuff that we wanted to be doing and then so i mean for example some of those jobs you mentioned, the clients you mentioned got in touch with us based on uh, actually seeing some work that we did previously uh, that was internal and, well, not internal, but our, our kind of personal projects and and essentially wanting a bit of it. And that's, that's what we really aim for. I think that's what people want to be doing in the studio it's it's the work that uh, really excites us the stuff with no commercial constraint or client or anything like yeah, that yeah i mean i mean it it's always nice to you you can tell you can tell the difference very quickly between a, a project where they they've come come to us because of us and seeing our work and wanting a bit of it and googling the other instance googling animation and uh sending us a, a a, treat, uh, a kind of brief that's going to 20 other companies. Um, and obviously we do, we do a hell of a lot of the, the secondary um, where we're just, we're getting the work in, we're making things move. And um, we always do it to the same, with the same kind of uh, quality that applies in these other jobs. But um, there's something wonderful about the, the work that comes with a bit of trust already in, embedded in it. Yeah, always, um, always, always. Um, you talk about yourself and James, uh, who run the business, um, but just talk a little bit about the wider team, the people that the that animate is is made up of. Yeah, so we are now up to we're sixteen full time, and animate has formed through uh, well over the last five years. With uh, we started off with two separate wings to it, essentially the interactive side, which was Hover Studio. The, uh, and the animation side, Animate. And last year, we finally kind of merged the two into one brand. So we are made up of um, animators, illustrators, developers, and project manager kind of admin role. And it's about a, 
Uh, it's quite an even split across the board there. Um, so it's, and everybody who kind of works with us is, all has an edge of creativity to them. So even the developers are, are very much practicing designers um, as well as being super technical. And that's it, that, that's the team. No, it's, it's great, it's, we're recording this in your studio, um, which is on the top floor of a kind of East London, uh, how, how do you describe it, is that kind of a- Warehouse. Yeah, warehousey loft space. Loft, yeah, it's um, penthouse. But there's a super nice atmosphere to it, there's a nice kind of calmness, there's a kind of, mm. it's people getting on, it's people um, uh, doing work. Um, I wanna come on to talk about that kind of the mix of personal project and um, commercial work, because I think you guys kind of really, I think you nail it. And I think in, it's interesting when talking to other uh, companies, not necessarily in the animation world, but kind of further, further afield than that. I think you guys crop up more and more about harnessing that studio projects. And, and what's so nice to hear is that they do manifest themselves as commercial projects that clients see. So there is that value to them. Mm. And I think increasingly it's something that we're recognizing is it's these personal projects that are driven through a passion and interest or something that then result in getting paid to do something. Mm. Where did those side projects start? Where, what were the first? Um, it was simply through, I, I guess, necessity and uh, downtime. Because starting off, we had not a huge amount of uh, commercial work flowing through. So there's myself, James and Ed sat in a small room in on Old Street and um, basically realizing that our two points to new business were, two routes were essentially either try and do some cold calling or the more appealing route, which was just get busy doing stuff that we wanted to be doing. And the wonders of the internet mean that you put it out there. We, I mean, the reason we're here is because of Vimeo, essentially. I would say that quite straightforward. As a, as a platform, they're as not a, like paying you. No, no. They, well, they are now. Okay. Up, no. <laughs> just, <laughs> just from mentioning them in, in the podcast. No, uh, just from, yeah, that just allowing us to get get some of our stuff out there, which 10 years previous, especially, well, in, in, the term, in terms of animation, um, a few years previous to that, when we started back in 2010, you wouldn't, you couldn't really share video that easily. And it certainly wasn't a communicate, a kind of community spirit, um, which Vimeo quickly uh, made right. And we were, we were able to get stuff out. It would be seen by all the people that we wanted to see it. So all the creative directors and the, the people that you can't actually get hold of if you cold call. So essentially it was a, a much more direct route to getting the phone calls coming in. So we suddenly, we suddenly felt the impact of putting out some, uh, our first series, which was uh, Learns. And is, is that kind of community within uh, the creative industry something that you feel Vimeo has over YouTube or is it just, is it just you happen to choose Vimeo over YouTube? Um, I, yeah, you definitely, well, you get a, it's certainly more um, curated opinion, I suppose, in the sense that you're, there probably are people on YouTube who um, are helpful. There are definitely people on YouTube, Tom. There are a few. <laughs> There's a couple of viewers. And the, but most, I mean, the, yeah, you'd have to wade through all the comments to find the things that really, really matter in terms of uh, any, uh, any positive feedback, essentially. So, yeah. I, I mean, also remember Vimeo kind of 
back when you're talking about uh, 2010, mm. it was a much from a kind of uh, uh, a dangerously pretentious designer thing. It was a it was a more aesthetically pleasing yeah. um, player much to embed on to stuff be. and 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 do stuff. YouTube was quite a raw. Here's a film. Here's just a thread of comments with people chucking out whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think that there's there's something to be said about that. that in a way, back then, because I remember the, the the people that you kind of become uh, immersed into this like Vimeo world with that uh, we still we still know of those people and it's that it's a, it's a strange thing because now Vimeo is obviously much bigger than it was five years ago and it's almost um, become a lot more diluted uh, the content and the the voices which isn't necessarily a bad thing but um, that at that time it was an, ex an extremely potent uh, kind of angle into getting work seen by creative directors at agencies as well as peers and people who could actually feedback and yeah, uh, the, the, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think there's, I, I think it, by, it would be naive to say that YouTube doesn't have a community. I think it's just a very different yeah, type yeah, of community. Totally. I think yeah. Vimeo kind of harnesses a, that kind of feedback loop. But it, oh. it feels like people are prepared to kind of add constructive comments as opposed to just sometimes lols. too some sometimes a bit too much backpatting and yeah, this ooh, is great. Ooh. Too many awesomes. Uh, right. Uh, I want to, um, one of the things that we're desperately trying to do with this podcast is kind of, um, go back to where it kind of all began. Mm -hmm. Um, you grew up in Salisbury, is that right? I did. Yes. Yeah. A bit of fact checking before we yeah, uh, started yeah, recording. Uh, I remember a, a project that you did of, was it like a hundred days of drawing? Was it 365 every, days? Every, every day. Every called. day. Yeah. So I did, uh, that was, that was my first year on my, um, BA. In okay. Manchester. Maybe go further back from okay. that. Okay, rewind. Then. So were you always a kid who was drawing and was doing stuff? Or yeah, I, I was. I was uh, blessed with a certain degree of. Um, oh, sorry. Back in the mic. Yeah, I, I was blessed with a certain degree of um, inability to write so good. And talk uh, so good. And talk so good. And all those just things. Just words that, in an order. Yeah. That was, just okay. dyslexic to uh, not not a huge, on the huge degree, but enough to uh, really point me towards uh, sport and art, essentially. I did, I did quite enjoy maths and, and that kind of has come through to play, play into the, kind of the code stuff that I got interested in. But um, during school, it was very much... Um, art focused design focused and sport focused and then that kind of played through into wanting to go to art foundation so i went down to bournemouth for that which was a interesting year um how so just I, through I the mean, variety of i always uh, it's, we we had a very interesting uh art department in my in my sixth form and secondary school so they were, it was two elderly, an elderly couple. They seemed very elderly, but they were probably only in their 50s. But they were hugely focused on um, Impressionism, I guess. That, that was all we knew in terms of art. And that's all we were taught, essentially. So it was a, a huge amount of color mixing, um, painting, little else, really, unless you really kind of went 
and, and found it yourself. Um, and, and did you do that? Did you fight that? Because I, I think one of the things that's always quite difficult at that stage is you're... <laughs> I think you're still relatively impressionable. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're getting told stuff. Oh, that totally. You, and you don't have the benefit of hindsight of being able to kind of compare it against stuff. Yeah. So I'm in two minds because I, I was very, uh, I, I didn't make a peep really. I knew that I loved, I loved the idea of cartoons and things like that, but I wasn't really, um, I wasn't strong enough, I guess, just to stand up and say, well, I'm not doing that. I want to do this. And actually looking back now, I'm, kind of glad I went through the uh, kind of followed along because a lot of the um, kind of technical especially with colour and um, and just really looking at uh, artists of previous eras it, it has did have an effect and uh, life drawing etc so it certain amount of that was good I think I think in terms of career we I didn't even know until I went to Bournemouth that there was a potential to become an illustrator or become an animator or oh, it's exactly the same really graphic weird. design it's hard to imagine now isn't it to yeah. think that that's that's where you are at um up well 18 year old 18 years old and you have little understanding of the creative industry it's quite mesmerizing I think there's a, a much wider broader discussion on there the is state of two hours of, of that indeed <laughs> join us join us sometime <laughs> yeah. in the future to put the the world to rights. It's. I think it's. I think it is a super interesting thing because I think it's um, illustration, graphic design. It's something that is so uh, prominent within kind of culture and mm. the world. Yet it the, there is that barrier to to actually discovering yeah, yeah, what it is and how you go about it. But again, I think there are some people doing some great things. I still think there's a lot more that you can do. Um, so what kind of what kind of portfolio did you end up? with at Bournemouth that shaped the decision to get to Manchester? Um, well, I think I, within that year at Bournemouth, I really embraced the thought that I could suddenly look away from um, painting, essentially, and, and fine art. Um, so I, yeah, just really embraced that. So I started doing quite a lot of um, illustration, I think you could call it. I don't know, looking back now, it didn't, didn't look like anything really um but it and then also looking at uh i got quite heavily into flash back nice. which back then was just on the on the verge of becoming something incredibly exciting and um, that but that is a kind of the first foray into animation and, yeah, and seeing yeah. your yeah. drawings move exactly and i i came out of it with this um i need to find it it must be on a cd somewhere but it, an amazing portfolio that I, a kind of personal portfolio that was kind of half website, half just flash spew of craziness. And it, it's, it was atrocious. I mean, it did everything. Like I, I, I used every trick in the flash book to make something that. Oh, I remember discovering Photoshop filters. Oh yeah. Just thinking yeah, it was the best thing in the that, world. And I, then, yeah, at some point someone should probably kind of just, not yeah. from the shoulder and go, yeah. come on, come <laughs> I'll on. take everything. Um, yeah. But it kind of, was this, was was that work within the context of kind of college hours or were you kind of just, was it every minute of every day you were trying to do it or um, kind of how was your, um, how, what we kind of, I'm, I'm desperately trying to articulate this in the right way because I, I remember seeing your work and that 365, yeah. the drawing every day, yeah. it just seemed like the, 
sheer quantity of work was always what struck me. Yeah, that that was um, I, that kind of came off the back of the the year in Bournemouth where they made us do these learning journals, which was just a daily daily journal of what we were what we were up to, and I think um, that was actually really positive. Uh, it had a good impact on just this idea of now I could dedicate every day to my my career in art, and I think that. That that kind of fed through to when when I ended up in Manchester on my on my BA, I I felt a little bit like there was wasn't a huge amount of there wasn't a huge amount to do in the first year, <laughs> to be quite honest. And I I I used every day as a way to make sure I was doing as much as I could. And this is at Manchester now? That, yeah. So, so what was the at course at Manchester? It was illustration with animation. And it was a, gr- it was a great course. Um, and it's one of the reasons that I'm where I am now. Um, but I think with any BA, the first year is, you, yeah, you, there's a certain amount of the college, uh, college work and then you've got a lot of free time. So I, I just, I spent a lot of time, a lot of my free time just, filling a page in my sketchbook every day for a, for a year. I think, again, there's that, there's, there's that thing, isn't there, within first year, you, you don't know any differently. And it's like, mm. for, for a lot of people, it's either the first time living away from home or the first, it, it feels like a bigger step. And it, it's only with hindsight that you can kind of go, I could have done a bit more or... Yeah, I, I, totally. So then how does, how does that illustration animation course develop over the three years? Does your kind of style of work, does it get more refined? Is it more of a technical kind of nuance? Um, and I, would, I would say that, actually, that those three years were quite... Uh, the, um, so, Manchester. Uh, because of... Because I set myself this task to do um, a page a day for for a year, um, and I was I, I was kind of of the thinking that I didn't want to uh, tie myself down to a style if I was going to become an illustrator. At that point, first year, I wanted to just sketch and doodle and enjoy enjoy just mark making. Uh, little did I know at that point that eventually once because it was early days of the internet then and big part of the everyday project was scanning and uploading to a a very crude website that i'd built um because it was one of these the first time the internet had seen a everyday project it actually garnered quite a following and quite a response um so it was my first because this is pre-Twitter, pre- yeah, yeah, pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter. Kind of... pre- there was MySpace, but there was there was no way to easily share imagery like on a daily thing. So I I made a very very crude like HTML, make a new HTML page for each image yeah. kind of thing. So it was quite a labour of love doing that. But all of a sudden, I was finding the enjoyment in like um, checking feedback on forums and uh, suddenly seeing like watching my ana- analytics on the on the website thinking hang on people are weirdly interested in in this and I think they are till to this day people love that kind of repetitive uh, series based it's just that kind thing. of dogged persistence isn't yeah, it? To, yeah totally. to, to know um, that someone is doing something and it's 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 changing and yeah, it's new and yeah. it's it's I think 
I think what what's so funny though now is it's it's made so easy. Yeah, totally I mean, and and that's only part of it. You still got to do the laborious mm. kind of. You still got to do the bit of work. Yeah, but um, but as a result, I guess because it's easier to do, there are more of them, so therefore maybe they don't all get kind yeah, of it, awareness. Whereas it sounds like your project, because it was one of only a few, it did manage to gather yeah. momentum. So yeah, did any kind that. of um, what came out of that? Was it just a I, kind of awareness of your work or did people start well, to commission you for stuff? I was commissioned to do a few a few things based, and this is where it, why I mentioned I wasn't trying to tie down a style at that point, and yet I got commissioned to do a snowboard for Burton that was very much, we want that everyday style. And can you do a, pretend it was a page for one of our pro snowboarders and write about their life in the kind of journal sketchbook thing? Which was really hard because I was like, I don't really. I don't, <laughs> That's not the deal. That's <laughs> not, not what I'm doing. doing. And yet I was so, I was so amazed that they'd even seen it in Vancouver and their agency and yeah. And can you remember was that touch. was that well paid? Was it? Um, they paid in snowboards. So I've still got four, <laughs> <laughs> four women snowboards. When did you uh, when you last go snowboarding? Oh, too long ago. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I've I've never been. I ski a lot, but I don't. Not a lot. <laughs> I don't know where <laughs> this, this is going. going. I don't know where this, this is going. going. Uh, but no, they did pay me. Um, I think I spent more time uh, for that particular for that particular kind of week or leading up to the project and the negotiation with this agency. I I I mean, we're, it's still really hard costing projects even after. 15 years You've moved on from it. snowboards, though, right? You're well, yeah, still. Well, yeah, but it was uh, it was tough because nobody. I, I remember talking to the guys at the Association of Illustrators, and they were very helpful. But at the same time, you still had to just kind of use your guts and say, "I want to charge this much," because it's kind of usage based as well. It's a huge world of. Um, yeah, it is an absolute well, minefield. Well, but I think you you do sum it up quite well there. In that, it, it, more often than not, it comes down to a gut feeling. I think there's there's a certain point where um, uh, you need to try and make sure that kind of this it doesn't just become a vicious cycle of people undercutting everyone. So yeah, that you yeah. kind of need to establish what stuff's worth. But actually, as a as a a student at the time, um, to get commissioned for a project like that to get something that you might want and kind of mm. see and you you it's a stepping stone to other stuff and I, I in no way am I saying that I think that's an excusable way of could paying lead, someone could lead to more work yeah. in the future it would be well. great for your portfolio it's portfolio pay me yeah um, but it is I think it is that difficult thing and I think almost you have to find your feet in it I think had you uh, and other kind of young creatives in that circumstance kind of led with a right it's going to be this much cash mm. there's a chance they'd have turned around and gone uh, we 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 can't do it for that. Yeah, yeah. But it's it is that kind of muddy area of how you how you feel comfortable with the own value of your work. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I I mean that that experience and the, a couple of others that followed um, were just so such great experience for just everything that's followed in terms of setting up the business and. Um, yeah, I, th I think I probably spent more time on the negotiation of that and these other projects than actually doing the doing the work itself. And you suddenly realise that, and that leads through into everything we do. Animate is yeah. a huge amount of ad administration, 
Um, it's just economies of scale, isn't it? Yeah. I think we, yeah. we find that in that you, you essentially still do roughly the same thing, but it's just mm -hmm. multiplied. It's, it's um, amplified um, to that extent. Yeah. So you finish um, the three years at Manchester. Yeah. So in between that, we, so the course splits, so you, you could take on the uh, pathway into animation which I which I did and, and really enjoyed. So that was that was the, the stepping stone to uh, joining the Royal College of Art to do animation. Um, so the two year masters there, which was which was great. And can you remember the the um, the specific films that you'd made there in order to get into the RCA? What kind of things were they? Yeah. Um, there was quite uh, a, the actual pathway animation pathway was um, it wasn't hugely technical in in the sense of learning to animate it was it was a lot about exploring what's what's possible and it, I, I guess that towards the fine art side of of animation and enjoying just loose movement um, kind of pairing it with uh, observational drawing etc so there wasn't a huge amount of the kind of rules of animation, but just enjoying the enjoying movement. So that was that was kind of nice, and I think it it suited, uh, it yeah it pushed into a nice portfolio for the Royal College, who were quite out of interest. You know, does, did the Manchester? Did you feel um, the kind of motives to go and do the MA? Did you feel that at the end of the three years at Manchester, you could have gone and worked commercially as a as an animator yeah. to get stuff or I mean, what was it about the RCA that made it an attractive proposition? Um, well, other than the fact it's a world-renowned institution, yeah. and that's really interesting because, yeah, I haven't really thought about thought about that before, and I don't exactly know where I would have ended ended up because it was. I think everything that I, a lot of what I picked up in that three years was, um, well, certainly there was there was an amount of it that was off my own back, doing the everyday, learning to. Like the importance of having my uh, portfolio website, really seeing that the internet was a the place to place to get your stuff out there. Um, I remember doing quite a few talks when we had to do like uh, presentations within the class at university. Mine was always kind of about the importance of online visibility, um, which seems odd because there was no. Uh, there was no Behance back then. Yeah, it was all, um, people would just didn't have any online presence. It's, it's something that I think we take for granted so much mm. now is that, and I, I think there's no better time to, I'm sure people will disagree with this, there's no better time to actually kind of graduate and come through that system to be able to get your work out there to kind of engage in and just even, sounds stalkerish, but just follow the creative directors, the agencies, yeah, those yeah. people, just to see just for that insight into the world in which they live, the things they're looking at. And I think it just makes it easier that when, when you do finally get in front of them, you've, there's just a little bit more insight as to the kind of people they are, the kind of things they've been to. So there's, you can find that common ground yeah. a bit easier. It's not quite as daunting as getting an interview or a meeting somewhere and going in pretty cold. And one of the things that you always get told is, is prepare well for interviews. And mm. in the past, that would have been trying to dig out yeah, how magazine interviews. or Whereas now you can just go and follow them and stalk yeah. them for a bit go through the archive and yeah it was i think if if i had have ended there at manchester i i think my 
online presence would have been yeah would have pulled me through and allowed me to get some work I don't know if I would have ended up um being as heavily into the animation world as I was after the MA uh so actually during that time I was doing lots of freelance programming so uh action script three doing flash flash websites so I'm nodding like I know yeah. what you're talking about um and that was yeah so that that kind of through and and through my masters as well a lot of lots of other people in the class were doing animation freelance here and there and I never really did that because I somehow I just got the yeah got the uh, connections and people needed um flash developers so I started using what I had learned to uh, to do a bit of that here and there and that kind of spiraled so I don't know if I would have ended up being more focused towards that if I hadn't pushed through the MA and I think the the masters just the it really set me up with a good connection of um peers and very very talented people to kind of look up to yeah and, that, and that's I, been great I think on the whole masters do that I think RCA is probably the pinnacle of that where that peer group of like-minded people mm. Um, you see a lot of design studios come off the back of it. It's worth saying that James yeah. did the MA at the RCA as well with Design Interaction. Yeah. The year below you? Uh, yeah, or? James was the year below um, doing interact. Yeah, Design Interaction. It does, it does just seem like great breeding ground for yeah, yeah. Kind of collaborations. We've got, well, Ed, our creative director here, he was um, the year above me in uh, animation. And Russ um, was in my year on animation as well. So we've, we yeah we kind of stayed in touch from graduating and then started doing more work together and eventually there we're all kind of working working together now so yeah definitely and as well as a huge amount of freelancers that we use come through that pipeline as well yeah I, yeah i think it's um it's justified in where it sits i think it recently it was it was announced as the world's leading kind of arts mm. institution might need to check that that might be <laughs> absolute rubbish um i want to know a little bit more about the ma but we're gonna take a quick break join okay. us in a minute thanks for listening i just wanted to take this quick opportunity to tell you a little bit more about lecture in progress Lecture in Progress is a resource to help the next generation of creatives make better career decisions by inspiring and informing them of the breadth of opportunities that exist in the creative industry. Aware that the gap between education and industry is only widening, Lecture in Progress will help demystify the creative world we work in. We'll explain everything from the huge range of jobs that exist, how people got into the industry and how much you can expect to get paid, right through to how a project comes together and taking a look into the studios and workplaces in which they happen. We see Lecture in Progress being funded through annual membership, largely made up of current students and recent graduates. We're aiming to build a relationship with these members as the site grows and develops over the next 12 months, and we want to make sure that we deliver the content that they will find most useful and that can't be found anywhere else. Members to Lecture in Progress will get full access to the website and archive, become part of a network of like-minded individuals, they'll receive member-only offers and promotions and invitations to events, They'll also have the opportunity to apply for funding for creative projects. They'll be invited to studio visits as well as entry to our annual awards programme. 
please do check out the first version of the website at lectureinprogress.com. There we've put together a number of articles and resources that best demonstrate what we plan to do. You can also find a link to the Kickstarter campaign that will be running throughout October. We've tried to make it as simple as possible to get behind the project and hope you'll like the rewards we've made, many of which are only available on Kickstarter. Please do back the project and all being well, we'll be back on the 1st of January 2017. Back to the interview. Hello, welcome back. Uh, I'm here with Tom Judd of Animade. And before the break, we, we were just kind of talking about the MA. Um, and I want to kind of ask a little bit more about that. Do Because it's a two-year course. Yes. It's a quite a small class size, is it? Yes. How, how many well, people? Well, this is based on what it was like eight years ago. So I'm not sure how many. It's quite a long time ago now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's quite... That's, that's yeah um, flown by so eight years ago how many, that were, how many I think people it was, on that it was about 15 15 per year so 30 for the whole department um yeah it was a good size good size everyone seemed as enthusiastic as the next person as talented as the next person and just generally um but with a quite a span of um interests and uh that was that was a nice thing about it. It was kind of exploring different things. And what what was the focus at that point? Was it on a kind of technical ability, or was it on uh, a kind of stylistically, or was it kind of how how did that two years? What so was the kind of structure of that two years? It was there. There's a certain amount of focus on the, uh, I guess, the technical side of animation, but not a huge amount. I'd say the the. the the greater percentage, larger ratio of time was spent thinking around idea generation, storytelling, and yeah, just getting in a creative mindset to and and being able to work as a work as a group to critique and um, think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. I think that's Which, vital that yeah, ability totally. to to talk about work and kind of I think there is an art to critique and feedback mm. and kind of discussing that do you remember at the time the kind of the influences or the people that you were looking at who were practicing animators that you kind of referenced um well I I was I kind of took that that freedom and um ability to explore the medium um and ran with it so I spent I spent the first year and a half of the two years playing with uh, Arduino and uh, interactive installation and how animation could kind of pair with that. So inspiration-wise, there was a lot of of, like web search going on and finding exciting uh, creatives that were exploring this world. So, and, and not necessarily any huge names but more just kind of pioneers um i'm terrible with names as well so even if they were huge names i've forgotten them um and it i think it's it was it was just really exciting to to explore this this quite new newfound ground new and areas where people were tinkering with this stuff but not necessarily tinkering with it and uh, looking to see how animation could kind of slot in there so um the output was some quite quite interesting uh projects where i was 
Yeah, I, I, falling upon quite by chance just some some bigger questions in terms of animation in its linear sense and how interaction and digital suddenly opens the that linear path to a to a like a three dimensional um, route where you can actually the user can choose the pathway. Um, and before I knew it, I was way too deep in the philosophy of animation and interaction. So and I, you had a degree show to prepare for. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. But I, 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 I tried to write my dissertation on it and make some really uh, very uh, serious points on it. And it, I, I mean, it, it's so such a deep uh, area of psychology and, and how, how one is a viewer and then a participant. So it, it, it was really fascinating. And I think it did then lead to, at the time it's worth mentioning that I was uh, house sharing with uh, James Chambers, the, the, my business partner and co-founder of Animate. And he, he was on the interactive uh, design interactions course. Um, and the first year I was there, he was still on his LCC uh, interactive. So all that time we were away from the, when we're back, back at home he, talking about um, what he was up to, things he was looking at, what he'd talked about in lectures. And so I was really fascinated about all the stuff that was going on in those courses and how that kind of, what relevance it had um, in kind of the future of animation. So that was, that kind of, that's, that's what fueled my, my two years at the Royal College. And then so what what did you kind of uh, what did you graduate with? Well, what was because there's that yeah. final show reel, isn't there, at the RCA on the yeah. animation course? Well, that's where the panic set in <laughs> two two months before graduation, where I realised I didn't have a film, and and I, I think I'd have been I'd have been okay if I just pr uh, put up the the kind of installation pieces that I put together. But there was part of me that was really keen to tie it all back to a very linear. Anima animation, uh, a short film, and uh, in a way, all that all that tinkering and playing in that other other world was um, kind of what led through to the 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 story for Bruce, which was my graduation film. So um, yeah, it was it was quite easy to come up with a concept and a story yeah. because of all the the weirdness I had. Well, not weirdness, but the different different stuff I'd been playing with. Um, so it all kind of fed in, and I, it essentially the film was a way for me to uh, take what I was trying to do. Like, there was a time when I was trying to make um, like a interactive uh, marionette puppet with a Wii controller and. With a like what? A Wii controller, you know, Nintendo Wii. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So the acceler accelerometers in that, trying to make a kind of disconnected puppet where you could, yeah, animate a puppet, yeah, with servos and, and real-world uh, electronics. And then that's really hard, so I didn't <laughs> do that. So instead, <laughs> instead I... Um, yeah, when I, when it got to the point where I thought I can now animate again and I can do just make a film, and suddenly it opened up things that aren't possible in in technology at the moment. So that's where the idea of this um, biotech uh, storyline comes from, where somebody plugs in a bit of meat and turns it into a small Bruce Willis. 
So that's the. It's obvious. Yeah, I exactly. mean, I mean, from yeah, changing who, now, from yeah, um, it was bound to happen. Do you think almost you were uh, maybe five years too early? It feels like a lot of what you've just talked about. Actually, if you go into the RCA now, I'm sure a lot of that technology is more integrated. Yeah, yeah more easily accessible. I. I'd, I'd like to think so, Will. You were ahead <laughs> of the curve. Pioneer, you were, yeah. Yeah. Five years early. Um, yeah, that's what my mum always says. Uh, <laughs> that you were five years early. Yeah, five years too early. <laughs> massive mistake. Five years too early. <laughs> um, right, let's uh, not go there. Let's, let's move away. But do you, or do I, you just think that actually what the RCA probably does better than other institutions is kind of open up those doors kind of yeah, before yeah. they're the mainstream? Yeah, I think, I mean, it was... They had the course, the design interactions course running, which James was on, and I, it was accessible to me to a point to, to kind of, I mean, it made it much easier that James was on that, that course so I could kind of use certain, I'm, I'm, they, you'd hope that anyone could just go and do anything at the RCA and cross-pollinate their, their portfolio with different, um, different pathways, but the, the actual when it comes to it, that's it's harder said than done. Really, yeah. you need to kind of have ins in certain places. So that's, and it, it certain it certainly was, definitely within the shows and like the half half year show that they have all the kind of work in progress, etc. You you just get bombarded with all this amazing stuff. So it's certainly much better to be there than anywhere else. Yeah, like not being there. Because um, sorry, because yeah. how was graduating leaving the kind of the security of education did you feel prepared did you know Mm. what it was that you did did you know where you could apply what you'd kind of spent the last two years doing (laughs) so what what do you do yeah well this is where i think that's that's quite interesting and i think your the five years too early is is pretty accurate because we well james and i left the RCA we we knew that um having grown up and together since we were 11 we we kind of we'd always worked on projects and been interested in this creative industry and potential of setting something up seemed like a good idea so when we left the RCA we we thought let's just let's just do something of a similar ilk to what we'd be doing in our masters and people will come and buy it from us and that wasn't the case it was really it was really tough because you you suddenly firstly there was only two of us who set up this company so did james do that during his final year at the rca uh no not quite so i guess there was a year when i was kind of waiting <laughs> waiting at the gate come on james come wait, on waiting but- outside um the rca for him to finish and then we could set up no i i was you're earning money kind of doing dancing. animation. Yeah, I was, that was that was when I did the majority of my kind of uh, um, action script three uh, freelance work. Well, as al- also I was I was signed to a production company as a director and and did did a certain amount of which, animation freelance, which is a pretty big deal. It's not. Yeah, it's well, not everyone kind of graduates from uni and gets signed to an agency as a director. Yeah, that was that was good. I forgot I forgot about that. Well. So, <laughs> Um, but did you did you feel as if did you notice a step change between kind of university being relatively self motivated to mm. actually now having to deal with 
clients feedback uh yeah i i mean yeah the that step is always uh, it's always tricky I, and i guess with the the setup that the rca promotes which is quite uh there, there's a lot of critique a lot of times when you join together to critique your individual work but there's very little emphasis on um kind of the commercial workflow working in teams delegating um sharing responsibilities there's very little of that whereas opposed to say a, for example a hyper island course that focuses very much on real world experience so yeah that was a that's that was a learning curve because you are very much responsible for your own output you haven't got anyone helping you other than giving you critique here and there um so that i mean i i kind of really embraced that and enjoyed that when that suddenly became the case because i think it's it's a much more fulfilling way to work for, for certain people um and so really really loved that i think the the bigger question for james and myself was how we how we took this kind of new area of the the merging of animation and digital that would and sell it to people and we realized that we didn't have the clout or the back catalog to to do that just yet as well as the clients maybe not being ready um yeah. But, but, but elaborate more on that because I'm kind of I, I very much want to come on and talk about the, the stuff that you're doing today mm. but as so you've kind of taken that bold decision to go right yet yeah, yourself and James we're going to do something this is what we believe yeah. there's a kind of an opportunity to do yeah what were those first projects where did they kind of come from where did they yeah I mean well they they didn't exist well and that was the <laughs> that was the uh, concern and so you so am i right in thinking you stayed as a kind of director in order to make in order to make sure you could still make money yeah or did you left that at that point no we so the first year of what was then chambers judd um the the company name which still actually exists and animated within that so that that company was essentially james and i freelancing from a room in old street uh doing james was working on web web projects i was working on animation projects and slowly they became less freelance and more us kind of using our our base and um getting people to help and there was a, it was very gradual the first the first year two years was was really just kind of um yeah feeling it out i guess and and figuring out what what we had to do to survive and pay ourselves and live and as well as um what we had to start doing to to get get future work in um that's where we really we started to realize we needed to have the the clout on both sides of of this spectrum um and where we where we kind of made the decision to really focus in on the linear animation and straight up straight laced web uh development. And do you remember a turning point? Is there a is there a, is there a project or a time of year or something where it kind of started to fall into place? Yeah, I I think I think when we deciphered the 
I think, yeah, that self-realization, the realization that we needed to kind of build those two pillars um, and portfolios so that we could then, people would trust us to be able to do everything in between. Uh, that was that was at the point where we decided to take Animade, which was a, a blog that I'd been running since my my masters just with a collection of animations take that name and create a what is animate i guess at that point it was just focusing on the linear animation explainers and the like and hover studio which was the interactive side that's where that those two things really came into play and we started seeing things start to come together and do, do you remember, is there kind of one project that when you had that in your portfolio, suddenly it kind of was a, it changed potential clients' mindset of wanting to work with you? Um, yeah, well, the the thing that really, this, going back to um, it, like personal projects and things that we did on downtime, the first thing that really caught the the attention of Vimeo and uh, and the industry was the learns learn series that we did so that was very much off the back of uh thinking about how we could put a spin on um animation tutorials because i when when ed started with us as uh he was our first one to join and um he was always a huge inspiration in, in the sense that his animation uh, his technical ability and just knowledge of animation is just incredible. He came from a course where it was very heavily steered towards you learn the basics, learn the fundamentals and everything follows. Do you know which course that was? He was in Farnham, which has a very, very sound technical like animation uh, uh, course. And I, everything that he, he was um, teaching me essentially, I was kind of mesmerized and and also uh, yeah just a bit like a bit of wow to it because I, I was like I, I I never knew that I didn't really know that I knew that you could you were doing that but I didn't know how you were doing it and suddenly this um kind of revealing a bit of the magic was was hugely inspiring and so we thought we set about trying to make um some tutorials to so that Ed could essentially teach you teach some animation and me, yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, then we realised that we didn't want to make a whole series of tutorials because it would take too long and uh, just get a bit bit dull. So we we set about making sh- super short micro tutorials about the kind of the the really obvious places where we saw that people were animating badly I guess so just give us an example of one of those um, just all the classics like eye movement lip syncing uh, walk cycles running then we broadened it a bit to like falling over explosions <laughs> nice <laughs> things like that and just they became very it wasn't like we know best it was it was more kind of tongue in cheek and the, the whole theme of the um, series was like, not like this like this and it's done very, very slapstick, lots of sound effect. And yeah, it's always, we, we show it again and again, even that the most recent Glug talk we did, we, we showed the whole of Learns as one of our kind of hero pieces because it just instills that vibe that... Um, and, 
I think what's so nice about it is it is a self-initiated studio project, but demonstrates a skill set and, mm. and a kind of an interest and a humor and yeah, yeah, and those kind of things, which play out today in slightly bigger versions. Things yeah, like Frank and Sim, exactly. things like boards. Well, no, actually, boards is probably a little bit different in that it's a tool. Yeah, a little bit more product for focused. the industry, but it certainly it certainly shows that uh, that it's a, there's a timeless quality when. Um, yeah, that was five years ago and we still put that out and, and it still manages to explain our, our brand's personality. And it's kind of, yes, yeah, it's, that just shows that those fundamentals of the, the craft are timeless. The technologies may change, but those fundamentals that um, just are going to exist because the way we are as humans and how we perceive character and movement. So that, and that's become really a huge area of interest for us as a company and how, how that works across the whole spectrum of um, linear to dynamic and um, interactive. Which, which now there's a very much a place for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, totally. It's, that's yeah, almost it's, now it's there. Maybe not what people come to expect but I think it's just more prominent in the day to day is that you can interact with stuff and and make stuff do things Uh, I want to talk a bit about Frank and Sim Mm -hmm. just because it was one of those kind of standout projects from last year that I think you guys gave us the heads up maybe two or three days before it released and we knew as soon as we saw it this was going to be something that people would enjoy and it would would be kind of um, picked up how do you describe Frank and Sim for those that haven't seen it uh, purposefully putting this on you there as was a strap line that Milo and Amy came up with that's um, describe it as a postmodern Prometheus which doesn't really explain it at all but it sounds sounds snappy sounds great sounds good doesn't it it's, uh, it's kind of a tongue in cheek um, over explanation but it's for anyone something. that hasn't seen it it's definitely worth checking out because I, it is interactive yeah um it's a it's basically a setup where you yeah it's a stylized computer desktop that is just a beautiful piece of um, I don't know, wow, wow, goodness I should have prepared for this um, it's, <laughs> the thing so that you've already spent a chunk of time yeah. on it's not, actually it's out there just go it's look at there. it yeah it, it's uh, it was for us it was a huge um, exploration into how we could take our animation workflow and digitize it without using flash. So, um, because no one uses because, flash anymore. Yeah. And you can't, it's not supported anywhere. It doesn't. So in terms of us looking at our future as an animation company that also works in digital, we, we need to be constantly innovating and around ways that we, and up, well, our workflows essentially. Um, and, it's not okay to do that on client time. So essentially that's where that's a big part of why we, why we do the internal stuff is to give us time to innovate. Um, and how is that time? Is that time carved out? Are there specific times every week? Is there a certain percentage? Is there, how does it, cause, cause a lot of studios, I think try to do it. They try mm. to encourage it, but the nature of the beast is that when you've got the commercial work in, yeah, they're the first things to get paused. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we still struggle with it. We've become much more 
aware of how important these things are um and therefore if we yeah I, it's a huge scheduling game really with frank and sim so that came off the back of this incredible film that milo made um called lido sim and it was, it was something that he was um working on in his downtime so very personal internal uh thing um that then we we saw it and we thought hang on this is this is just too good an opportunity to miss so so if you've watched lido sim it's very much the, the kind of construct to to frank and sim looking at the aesthetic and the the interactive nature of windows and how um how the uh what the content within the windows is affected by the size and scale of them. So yeah, it was a, it was, it was just an obvious um, decision of, of like, okay, let's get Milo together with a developer. Let's make something that's interactive and exists as you'd want it to exist on your desktop and you can play with it. And it's all the nostalgic uh, references to um, desktop, like, operating systems of past and that that kind of thing so it's funny how those things play out now yeah but i think for our generation we can remember them but i'm sure there was a younger generation that can't necessarily remember yeah, yeah. that that still get a huge amount of enjoyment from from kind of playing with those mm. windows and the way in which you open certain icons and and it interacts yeah definitely i, I it's it really i think it, when we saw that that project we knew we could kind of sense that it was quite quite exciting and it's, it's we certainly knew that it was going to give us value in terms of testing out new approaches as well as um i think it was so modular that we could we could iterate very quickly and do little tests chuck them on instagram get an initial response see if it was worth kind of pushing forward with and that, that's how that's how we do a lot of our internal is is actually measure quickly try and try and get a gauge of if something is going to be exciting and worth doing in terms of a marketing and visibility thing can you remember how long uh frank and sim took kind uh, of not necessarily think, cumulative hours but yeah i think we were it was probably about three months of uh from beginning to end with uh, i think we had well milo and simon the developer they were on it for, I don't know, if you put all the time together, it's probably a, about a month's worth of work with two people. I think that's, I think that's amazingly quick. Um, oh, yeah. To very, turn that stuff very good. I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> they, they were here till late. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. And weekends. Can you identify uh, any commercial projects or conversations that project opened up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the end of the question. Yeah, that was, yeah uh, that was me just thinking... Back through. I mean, it was it I mean, was everywhere on the yeah, internet in was. terms of blog fodder. It was everywhere. This is this is something that is it's quite interesting from the business sense. Is how how you how you yeah how you measure that success um, and how that plays back into commercial work because there's so many there's obvious. Uh, commercial work coming from that there's uh there's the ability to come up with new ways of working that allows us to pitch on new projects confidently and with um with uh something that we can 
shit show as a, a case case study. Um, and there's, yeah, and it's very hard to, unless you do start asking everyone who gets in touch, where did you find us? Which we do to a degree, but it's, it's and quite certain hard. certain clients but, might not be up for yeah, going, I yeah, just yeah, played exactly. that game that yeah, you did just, for oh, <laughs> half an hour. Um, and it's very, it's, it's similar to um, the, the work that's come through off the back of Ready Steady Bang and Ready Steady Play, where we know it's those two projects have uh, increased our visibility and have got out there and and shown us in a in a through a different route than just putting a, a film up on Vimeo, and that's that's what we kind of find quite exciting as well. Is it's a different different route to visibility, um, and we're still yeah we're still trying to figure out the best way to manage and like measure the impact but just the press itself and just getting on and i think also i'm right in thinking uh it's just you and james that own the business yes so actually it's not like you've got this board that you've got to justify this time to actually there's to a certain extent i'm sure it does huge things for the culture of the studio for the general kind of feel good factor it might it might help recruitment um that much easier it's i think and I wasn't kind of, uh, I certainly wasn't trying to kind of trip you up with that no, question no, of like, I, oh, what, so what's the big job you got from it? But I, I think it's, again, it's almost that discipline of a studio to maintain the side projects, the yeah, personal yeah. projects. I'm sure you're learning stuff, they're development tools anyway, to just, like you say, to do stuff on your own time as, a pers- as opposed to client time. Is again, quite refreshing to hear that if someone comes through going, I, I need a bit of this, you're not kind of billing them massively to go and discover that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's something you feel a little bit more confident with. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's, that's a big part of what, yeah, I think that figuring out what, figuring out the worth of a, a project beyond its uh, direct, direct feedback to more client work is, 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 become quite a fascination of us um so there's so many so many points back to uh making animate what it is and i think well culturally that that's a huge huge part of it giving people in the studio time to explore different things and in, encourage them to use their downtime to scratch an itch that they've got with a new technology um, um i wanna i wanna talk about facebook uh, yes. the job that you did for them, which was, it was essentially introducing the new icons that you can in, that you can react to people's content. Yes. So instead of just hitting like, you were being able to click lol. <laughs> sad, is that love, one of them? Love. love, sad face, wow face. <laughs> All the faces. Angry face. Um, what, like, where does that come from? Because that, I mean, that is a, that's a massive job in terms of, of who Facebook are, hmm. there's an animation to explain this and it lands on your guy's desk. Yeah, that, that was amazing. Um, yeah, the, well, they, they saw learns, <laughs> so, which is crazy to think, but they, so this happened end of last year and they were referencing a project that we did four and a half years ago, I think, something like that, at least four years ago. Um, and that's a bit, baffling because you don't we didn't make that back then thinking that's it's all going to pay pay through and uh get us a a job where we're just being asked to do a a bit more of that and that that's the real beauty of the job and i mean it 
it was amazing working for them and Ed got to fly out and have a week um, just brainstorming and working with their creatives uh, at the factory within Facebook and they that that was all wonderful but the, there's a factory the, the the factory is their internal agency you said yeah I should probably yeah that. sorry okay. I, I, no 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 not yeah, at all the factory that is basically. what an interesting name yeah yeah <laughs> I'm sure they're, they're doing something right aren't they I mean yeah good yeah. naming um, is there more pressure with a job like that is the, um, do you kind of because you, you guys would have been what um, I get so confused now with the years so you've probably been doing animated for what six seven years five five, five years yeah four years of uh, no, four and a half of actual animated having it as a name and doing the so to a certain extent is it in its essence is it just a job like any other job or does the fact that it's Facebook and the visibility that this thing's uh, going to get do you do you kind of feel the pressure I think we we knew that as with any project you want to do something that the client's happy with um, this was a a great chance for us to really do a bit of everything in the project I mean, lots of projects we just get asked to animate or we get asked to design and animate or script design and animate so and this one was a uh, ed got involved from the storyboarding and script writing all the way through to delivery so that that's that was wonderful and having that input and the the, the trust kind of laid on us and said saying we want we love learns do something a bit like that but within the realms of this concept so that was that was amazing and i think that that um if any client had come to us with that brief it would have instilled the the need to perform to our kind of top level so it was uh and and they had the the timeline timeline and schedule and every everything was geared up to really make it a well-refined piece of piece of animation i mean there was i think at one point we were working on several versions of the same film because we we had the the bodies on it to kind of show them a options range of and options and things like that so it yeah for a relatively short piece of animation that we it got the care and attention of uh quite a lot of uh our team and it was well received. It was yeah. I mean, yeah, they I put mean, it on they, Facebook. They put it on Facebook, which they've got. I think they're allowed to. Um, and yeah, they can get lots of people watching it. I think most the main comments on the video were, "Why aren't these buttons working on my phone?" Uh, so it was it was quite interesting because you couldn't actually get any feedback about the animation itself because it was broadcasting the message that these like buttons yeah. had changed so the main uprising was around why the hell doesn't this work on my android phone interesting use the word uprising oh it was a huge <laughs> uprising um amazing i think it's i think it's great and i think it's uh it only goes to add to kind of the excitement that i get whenever you guys kind of come to release stuff it always feels considered and and well crafted and and everything that goes with that uh, one of the things that i just want to address um before we finish is we're trying to kind of we're trying to ask about the things that haven't maybe gone to plan mm -hmm. from maybe the animate time or maybe further back yeah. into education what do you kind of what, what do you kind of what are the what are the worst things that have 
happened and kind of how have you dealt with it? Um, well, I guess, I mean, I, there, I think I recall a time where I sat next to you on the bus from Battersea of a morning. I don't know where this is going. Yeah, <laughs> this is, uh, that was the worst time of my life. Um, no, it was a, it was a, it was a huge coincidence. Yeah, we used to live near each other, and this was right at the back of. You say coincidence, Tom? Huge I coincidence, yeah. <laughs> Premeditated. Stalking, stalking, um, and uh, I think we were at the point where we were. Chambers Judd was going, and there was. It was very hard to know what was going to take off and what wasn't. And what where were we? Where we were putting our time, and whether it was worthwhile at that time. So. I think I recall mentioning that I was going to pack in animation and that I was going to focus on helping James really go after the digital and that the future wasn't in animation and it was just all websites. And this must have been early because I don't this remember very any early. of I think, this. I think you were... Uh, Trying to read just, a book or... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, Tom. Yeah, you had your head headphones in. Um, but I was relentless with my So what stopped you from doing that um i think i was i was in the middle of a really uh testing project that was that was a bit of a nightmare it was something that i didn't really want to be doing and uh with expectations of working all nights weekends um which looking back on i just don't know why i was even doing it because we it's something we don't push here we as a as a studio we always keep fair their timings and, and things like that. So I don't know how I ended up on this job where I was just getting torn apart by uh, working late on a project I didn't even have the technical ability to do. because <laughs> so it was loads of comping and tracking. Um, so who knows why I was doing that. Anyway, I think that really made me uh, question, is, is it easier if I just learn, like enhance my development skills uh, and yeah, I think, yeah, that's when I started uh, learning to make uh, iPhone games. <laughs> so nice. actually off the back of that, uh, Ready Steady Bang kind of came about. Um, and then we started working more with Ed. Because I think Ed, there, at that point, he started sharing a desk and working in with James and myself. And the, he actually had a project that he bought to us um, uh, and we kind of ran through the studio and through Chambers Judd because we we had all the proper things in place. So that was, it was quite good timing because I think Ed just said to me, look, don't be daft. This is this is potential. Here. He was there championing yeah, animation yeah. and well, the future yeah, totally, of it. Totally. And uh, it was a, it was an interesting point because I, I it was hard to see, it was, or it was easy to see digital being this new brave new world that um has a incredibly vibrant future which we've started to realize is it's 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 incredibly exciting however it's not very well defined and it's very hard to see or guess what it's going to become so a lot of the projects that we used to do is uh hover studio a lot of the um kind of portfolio piece or portfolio sites that we used to make <coughs> for for artists and um, creatives 
as well as small companies, their kind of websites, they're, they're all being made on Squarespace now, um, which is fine. I think that's a good, it's a good tool, but it's a, it suddenly changed the industry. And um, those kind of projects, the kind of projects we're doing as a digital company ha- are just changing so quickly. Whereas the linear animation, the explainers, the TVs, the if anything, they're becoming they're becoming more suited to the digital world as straight linear video, and the, just turning into gifs and um, just everyone wants a gif. Yeah, yeah, re, reworking a reworking a linear thing to to work across all the platforms is we're, we're doing it more and more, and I think yeah, it's it's made us. I mean. A big part of the last five years has been trying to figure out where digital is going and what, why is it a benefit to have a digital arm to an animation company? Um, it's as it's as exciting as it is terrifying. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it is. the idea that things could change, and you've I think especially when you're trying to build a business around full time employees, that it's it's easy to change the emphasis of a business, mm. but to actually bring everyone with you is is a much bigger challenge. Um. That's almost all we've got time for. After th- this is the third podcast, yeah. I finally got a question that yeah. I think will will blow my mind. Mm, just <laughs> consistently be a final question yeah, okay. that allows me to kind of end the podcast uh, consistently without just kind of going right done right. That's all we've got time for. So my final question is: um, when you look back at um, everything, mm. is there anything you'd you'd have done differently? Uh, I think. I think that spell where I was umming and ahhing about uh, what to do, where to position and where to focus, I think things would have happened a lot quicker with the hindsight, with hindsight on <laughs> what's happened. <laughs> but that's just a, ch- yeah, that's a massive cheat. I can't, yeah, at, at the same time, I, yeah, we wouldn't have learned everything that we did uh, in getting there. Um, yeah, other than that, I don't know. I, I would have, I'd be interested to know where I'd be if I kind of opened my eyes to the creative industry aside from like fine art at a younger age. And I'd be fascinated to just take a peek and see where I end, ended up. So I'm not sure whether it had been to the detriment or a benefit of my future so it's almost like having that zoned focused in um, so early on unawareness of and everything other than impressionist painting (laughs) may may have just allowed me to get through that those years and learn learn a bit of craft that's helped me out who knows who knows Tom thank you so much for your time today thanks well it's been a pleasure great stuff A big thanks for listening to this episode of Lecture in Progress. The music and sound for this podcast was produced by the wonderful Zelig Sound. Zelig produced some of the best original music and sound design for commercials, TV and films. Check them out at zeligsound.com. Do check out the rest of the series on the website at lectureinprogress.com. Do follow us on Twitter at Lecture in Prog for updates. And please do support the Kickstarter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>